This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Welcome to the podcast Secrets of the North, a podcast about true crime in Northern BC. I'm your host, Emily Gallen. And I'm the co-host, Spencer Hall. Our podcast may contain mature content, and it usually does. So listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, Spencer. It's been forever, Emily. It's been a hot minute. It's and... literally a hot minute because we just, we're doing double duty today. It's been a little pee break, a little... It's been depressing. It's, <laughs> it's been one pee break since I looked at you. Accurate. Slapped um, my butt and said, boom. <laughs> I'm We're going to be a little bit goofy up top because we just had like, it's so heavy. Uh, we just talked about Sarah Ford and you just listened to it, maybe. Maybe, maybe you're marathoning this. Maybe you can hear the phone ringing off in the... Oh, oh it's still gone. I hope they can. That's the police calling. Uh, that is, if if you are trying to phone the RCMP detachment of Fort St. John and you have one number off, you will be calling Energetic right here, energeticcity.ca. Uh, the phone yeah. ringing could be you. It is, I have written up, uh, several times I have gone to write up a police report uh, back when I was a daily reporter and then mm-hmm. I accidentally put our phone number there. Oh, uh, but I fixed it before it went out, so we're good. I love that. Um, anyway... Um, you want to know where we are? I do want to know where we are. Well, Emily, today we are recording this episode on the traditional and unceded and unsurrendered territory of the Danesa people. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, don't thank me. It's not my land. No. <laughs> um, you know what? Because last episode was such a bummer. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some. I'm gonna shake it up. We're not going to go to Crime Corner today. Where are you going to take me? Uh, this is attempted Crime Corner because this is a very upsetting art piece. <laughs> oh, art kidding. crime? Art, art crime, crime Corner. Okay, uh, tell me. Art culture Crime Corner. Uh, it's really not a crime. It's actually really neat. Uh, okay. I'm not going to lie. Like it, it, At first, you're like, huh, but it is really cool. Uh, and today, I'm going to be talking about Emily Matson, who Great is Great name. Right? Uh she is a Dawson Creek artist who works with the interesting medium of cow placenta. Okay. So. <laughs> that's, that's very Dawson Creek of her. Um, I like it. Yeah. But, hey, man. Hey, peace region. Peace Agriculture. Region. All right. So you can actually see one of Matson's pieces if you go down to Dawson Creek Cannabis and it is a coffin with cow placentas encased in glass. I'm looking at this right now. I'm I hey art art art. Right. I'm not going to yuck nobody's art. This is you do you. This is it looks like it's fucking a coffin awesome. Coffin in in a cannabis store. I'm looking at a coffin. I can see the cannabis packaged I can, behind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can see the sativa, the hybrid and the indica. Absolutely. And they're they're in ascending order. Just getting another note. Uh, I don't, I don't have that well of sight. And it's almost like there is a light glowing within this coffin. They look like jellyfish. And, um, oh. Someone just gagged glass. a little bit when I said that. Mm, That's exactly how it actually got started. We, we spoke to Matson, And uh, so this piece is called The Treasure Box. Uh, and okay. That's a, it's, it's a treasure, all it, right? It absolutely is. Treasure trove. Um, let me... So essentially, this art piece is called The Treasure Box, and it came from her grandmother, uh, more so when Matson's grandmother, who's named Mary, passed away. 
she had a very small funeral. It was just family. Uh, but I guess uh, Emily's granddaughter was skipping around and said, uh, flipping a rose around and saying, I know where Grandma Mary is. She's in the treasure box. Uh, yes, so no longer does Matson call it a coffin. It is now a treasure box. Uh, but Matson has been living on a farm in Rolla uh, oh. with her husband since they were 20 years old and has been creating art since she was a child. She's 75. Uh, oh, and she's 75 years old? Yeah. I feel like I could be friends with her. Yeah, I could probably hang out with her. Yeah. Uh, but uh, she, so she came across using placentas as a medium fairly honestly just through her work on the farm. Okay. So when you, there's a certain time of year, for those of you who have never lived on a farm, don't know much about it, it's spring. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I'm no, just kidding. Um, but there's calving season. Uh, it, don't DM me if it's not spring. I'm pretty sure it is, but I don't know. Uh, but anyway, she was helping kind of uh, cow give birth and then had a lantern and then you know the placenta came out and she just had hucked it I guess uh, like over her shoulder and it landed on the lantern and that's how she noticed that it looked like stained glass she um she noticed how the placenta caught the light and it dries like leather so she actually learned how to make the brine where she treats the placentas kind of like what taxidermists do. Uh, I think she like literally called one and was like, hey, how do you make this brine? Mm-hmm. And the taxidermist was like, this is how. Well, I wonder if she ended up chatting with people um, like midwives or the doulas, the one, and they take the placenta after the birth, like a human birth, and then they make it into like pills and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I've heard people eat it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they put it in their smoothies and stuff. I don't know. Okay, that's, that's yeah. a, I'll stick I don't with, think you could taste I, it. You know, I have a hard enough time with kales in a smoothie. Mm. So, or kales. Kale in a smoothie. <laughs> kales. Uh, kale. Yeah, that's how much I don't eat vegetables, everyone. Um, anyway, the uh, the treasure box, which is, I think, as, as far as I know, is still on display at the Dawson Creek Cannabis Store, is not the first art piece that she used placentas in. Okay. In 2001, she created a piece called Hanging Out on the Wash using wire, placenta, leaves, twine, clothespins, and wax. This... Piece, which I'm is, looking at it now. Yeah, it's, it that is the stuff of nightmares. <gasps> That's this is Halloween. This is I can't sing the rest of the song, otherwise we're gonna get. This dinged. is Halloween. No, no, stop. They're, they're, I no, have sorry. stopped. Okay, uh, hanging out in the wash was actually displayed in the CBC building in 2001. <laughs> what? Um, it apparently caused a bit of a stir because people did not know what they what it was until they read the statement on the floor, which fair enough. If I just came across this, honestly, I would also be like, what the fuck is this? It looks like, um, um, the ring, the girl from the ring coming out of a well. And then there's bat wings everywhere. And there's just not, <laughs> I, I really want to say It's art though. Like here's the thing. And I always talk about, yeah, cause people, I love it. People will look at this and they're like, what the fuck's that? But it, it, the point of art to me is to elicit a human emotion or response. And I would say that this does this. Yeah. It's terrifying. It's, it's, it's art. I'm obsessed with the coffin. I'm obsessed with a lot of her pieces, to be honest with you, because it's so just, you never would have, like, it's just, it's got every, it's, it's everything for me because it's got the wow, weird factor. It's got Rolla. It's got raw motion. Mm. It's got um, a cannabis store. It's got a cannabis. Another thing that I love. It's got an old lady. I, with a great I love, name. I love, I love old, ladies. old ladies. They're the honestly, guys. If you ever want your day to be better, find an old lady. I'm also. Um, I love placenta now. I'm li- I'm into it now. Like this I don't. Has me. I don't I'm hate this. Uh, she also either. did another piece uh, using a wheelchair, a broken teacup, placentas, a mirror, crystal, and glass, which is called the wheelchair, and it's about how her mother lost her ability to talk. 
If you would like to see her art, Spencer, she has a webpage. She does. Yeah, it's uh, emilymatson.ca, E-M-I-L-I-E-M-A-T-T-S-O-N.ca. When this episode airs, <gasps> we will link it on our Instagram because, frankly, I think that everyone should look at it. Yeah, and she does art auctions as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you want Continue. one of her pieces, you can do it. But I guess she was, uh, in, in the interview that we did with her, uh, she was saying that neighbors will show up at her house with buckets of cow placenta. <gasps> Here you go, Sally. There you go, we Emily. We got a couple placentas for you. We got some. You know what? We gathered some placenta. I don't know why they're Midwest. They're literally like 40, second, or 40 minutes down the street. <laughs> um, but anyway, I wanted to do something a little different. Uh, there had, again, as I kind of mentioned in our last episode, there haven't been a lot of whimsical police reports lately. Yeah, not um, as many as there should be. And I like, I would like to maybe if if you know if crimes, you know, criminals, do they, something criminals, funny. Do something funny. Come on, steal gnomes. That's me. Yeah, <laughs> if your gnome goes missing, it was Emily Gallon. Yes, it was. Um. Anyway, that is my. I'm gonna go whimsy corner. Okay, that was your whimsy corner. That's that my was whimsy your corner. Placenta corner. We are not doing a placenta mm, corner. Because can I, we please do a placenta it's, corner? I, no, thank you. Okay, next I'm not year. Gwyneth Paltrow. Does she eat her placenta? I don't Probably. Know. She's got some interest. In, like, she I'm pretty sure she does. Well, no, that's her company. Um, I know. She's also. She I'm it. reading a book. Funny. Uh, I'm reading a book about the two investigative journalists that brought uh, forth the Harvey Weinstein article. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they wrote about Harvey Weinstein and him being just generally a piece of shit throughout Hollywood for 40 years. Um, but one of the people that was instrumental in that investigation was Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and it was something. funny that that came up because it was at that same time that recently she was on trial for allegedly hitting that dude. Oh, uh, the which, skiing yeah, accident. Yeah, which, I mean, class act Gwyneth Paltrow countersues for a dollar. And then as she's leaving the courtroom, <laughs> I'm not a Gwyneth Paltrow apologist, but like classy. I've never watched any of this. Uh, but very classy. She countersued for a dollar. And then as when they read that, you know, she Gwyneth Paltrow had essentially won the case, she looked okay. over at the guy and said, I wish you well. Oh, I wish you well. Uh, I say good day to you, sir. I say good day. To sir. I will take my dollar and leave. I say good day. She's, I don't know why she's French. Now, oh, but, uh, she is. She is. <laughs> she, uh, no, I, you know, I, I loved her in Iron Man. I don't know. Uh, she's, I've never even seen that. Oh, I did see that. Uh, no, but I mean, you know, she's got some interesting, I wouldn't say that, you know, she's a, she should be a health blogger because, uh, I mean, coffee enemas and vagina candles. But, mm, all right. Blessed. I'm not, look, I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to judge I was not put on this earth to judge people. Make placenta, make art with placentas, put coffee in your butthole. I don't know. Don't make me do it. But like, if that's, I don't want to yuck anyone's yum. I don't want to, you know. Unless it hurts someone else. If your life life has changed because you put coffee in your butthole, all the power to you. Okay, if we're going to talk about buttholes, 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 I have to just add a little side note. Um, Of course. Have you ever heard of boofing? Yes, I have because okay. of your Halloween costume. Okay. Have you ever heard of sunboofing? Yes, I have because of your <laughs> Halloween costume. If, if people don't know what I'm talking about, Google one of it. the, well, don't Google it. Or at least make sure that you have incognito mode and you're at home or at a, don't look at it at work. But um, one of the, when I was first getting to know Emily, we went to a Halloween party. I dressed mm-hmm. as Charmander in a onesie because I was not putting a lot of effort into my Halloween costume. I year, do remember apparently. this. Um, and Emily showed up as a, uh, dressed as a cult member. Mm-hmm. And leader. Cult, sorry, cult oh, leader. You. Uh, well, you know what? They all look the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, cult leader and her cult was for sunboofing, which mm-hmm. I'm going to say what it is right now. It's when you essentially tan your anus. Is that... It is when you submit 
your anus to the sunlight and receive its holy, holy energy and vitamins into your soul. It's holy energy that into is your what, hole. And I made pamphlets. <laughs> you did. I did. She, she handed them out. And then our news director, Trey Lopachinsky, dressed up as Bob Ross. So we had Bob Ross accepting the good word of the sun hole. I did convert. Sun hole. I was thinking about Black Hole Sun and then I remember. Oh, Black Hole Sun. Black Hole Sun. Sun boof sun. I mean, honestly, as much as I hate to say it, Black Hole Sun does work for sun boofing. That's a song slaps. Song, it, I'll, hopefully not certain places. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Whimsy Corner might be a new one. Uh, if you hate this, let us know yeah. on our Instagram. Secrets of the North underscore podcast. Nice. But enough of me plugging our socials. That's not until the end of the episode. Let's plug something else. Uh, well, but you know who plugs things really well? Me. Uh, yes. Uh, but also our sponsors. Okay. Let's hear from our sponsors. Hopefully we have the same amount after I introduce them that way. Have you ever wondered about the story behind why a monument in Fort St. John was built? Or who started the first hockey tournament in Northern BC? Check out Voices of the Peace, a podcast from NJXCity.ca that answers these questions and more. Host Ted Sloan sits down with the people who make this city and region a great place to live. Go to NJXCity.ca slash voices to find out more. Check out all of our podcasts. Go to NJXCity.ca slash podcasts. Is it deep dive time, baby? It's time to deep dive, Spencer. And... As I've been researching for various cases for us to do, I'm realizing just how many missing people we have around Fort St. John, BC. Yeah, it's almost like we live in a rural and desolate area mm-hmm. with many uh, long highways with no cell service and deep wood. You get where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. Uh, happens a lot up here. We've even had some listeners email us telling us stories that I haven't even heard before or seen in any of the researches that I've done. I, you know, I feel like once you, in, at a certain time in Fort St. John, you would just get disappeared. You would just go. Mm. You'd become Fort St. John. You are, well, you become one with Fort St. John. Mm-hmm. I started to create a timeline even, and I actually posted it on our Instagram page and found cases that dated back to 1973. Wow. Uh, I'll for sure be bringing you guys those cases, but today we're going to focus on a woman who went missing in 2006. It was June 2006, and the weather in Fort St. John, B.C. was warming up to the mid-20s, Celsius, and the residents were eager to start their summer vacations. Not all families got to enjoy the summer in the north, though. Some would be spending it searching for their loved one, Shirley Clethro. Mm. Shirley Clethro, a 45-year-old mother of five, disappeared from Fort St. John on June 9th or 10th, 2006. She belonged to the Dees River First Nations. Dees Lake is located on Highway 37 in northern BC, approximately 120 kilometers south of Watson Lake, Yukon. Dees Lake is uh, actually kind of near, uh, well, not near, but it's by Terrace, which is where I was born. And if Dees Lake is ringing a bell to any of the listeners, it might be because there is quite an infamous case for the two gentlemen from Port Alberni who yes. came up along this way, which we will be covering, and they did, in we fact, murder somebody from Dees Lake. We mm-hmm. will be covering that. Uh, it was, uh, just as a aside, I mentioned earlier, long highways with no cell service. Mm-hmm. Um, when those two gentlemen, I'm not going to say gentlemen, those two fuckheads yeah. uh, drove through, uh, that was a big concern, uh, in especially in indigenous communities, because there was no cell service. You couldn't call 911 mm-hmm. if, if you saw these people, for example, but like also if you were in danger. 
Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, they're working on it, I guess, apparently. So yet again, Spencer, we have another missing indigenous woman in our area. I actually met Shirley Clethrow's daughter. Oh, okay. Tell me about that. It was actually uh, in July of 2022. Uh, I don't know if you know about Grace House. Oh, I I mentioned that at the very end. Yeah. I was at the opening of Grace House, uh, and Grace House, spoiler alert, has a uh, room dedicated to mm-hmm. Shirley Clethrow, and at the opening, uh, her daughter came in and spoke. Okay. Uh, and it was, it was really impactful. Uh, I actually think about Shirley every once in a while because of that meeting uh, and because of uh, Grace House. If you don't know what Grace House is, um, it is a house for uh, folks who are struggling with addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is done through, I believe, the Fort St. John Pentecostal Church. It's actually the uh, pastor's wife who started it after her experiences with addiction. Okay. Yeah. Um, her name was uh, her name is Darlene McLaughlin. Don't love religion, but I do love helping and people for something this was something speaking with her that very deeply impacted her she was actually uh, she was an alcoholic she used substances she was groomed and trafficked in winnipeg for a short time oh, and like managed to get through that so you know what if uh, i i'm a That's jew a strong lady yeah hella strong lady but you know i'm a jew so obviously I, i'm pretty okay with religion uh, <laughs> i think whatever i'm okay with you whatever you find okay that helps religion. you get through that experience all the power to you yeah Anyway, uh, that is my connection to this case, uh, but I will let you tell uh, Shirley's story here. She was last seen by her family on June 9th, and I did see different articles saying June 9th or June 10th. So from here on out, I'll just say June 9th. Okay. And they started to get worried about her when she hadn't shown up for work or spoke with her family as per usual. According to Nation Talk, the RCMP were informed of her disappearance on the 17th of June after she, and I quote, didn't come home from attending a house party across the street from her sister's place. At first, family members thought she was staying with her sister, which wasn't uncommon, but then she didn't show up for her job screening trucks at the mill. Hmm. The man who hosted the party that night was not listed as a suspect, although in a Vancouver Sun article, the family states that they wonder why this is and they think it needs further looking into. No articles list who was all at this party, just that Shirley did have a small argument with her husband of 30 years prior to the party. That's the worst when you have an argument mm-hmm. with somebody. I, I mm. mean, I've never, that's never happened to me personally, but I always worry about if I get in an argument with like Nick, uh, like oh. for example, we got in a minor tip yesterday um, where we both texted each other at the end. We were being like, that was a really dumb argument because uh, it was. Um, couldn't even tell you what it was. Uh, Should but we like, start arguing uh, right before we say goodbye to each other? Yeah, argument corner. Perfect. Uh, but anyway, no, I, like uh, he had ended up driving away and I was like, oh fuck, I hope that's not the last thing I have to <laughs> say to him because that's how my brain works. Uh, but also I, I come by that fear, honestly. But like, you know, I always worry about that when I get in an argument with somebody where I'm like, what if that's the last thing I say to you? So then I usually... I mean, it depends on what the argument was about. But usually I try to, you know, bury the hatchet. Smart. Oh, you know, I have my moments. Shirley's son, Brent, last spoke to his mother a few days before she vanished. And according to the Vancouver Sun, he said, and I quote, she phoned and said, I love you. It was really random. I said, I know you love me, mom, he recalled. And that was the last time I heard her voice. That's haunting. Her children had children of their own, and they raved about what a great grandmother she was. The star says that Shirley would call her daughters often, even if it was just to talk about TV programming that she was enjoying, which I love. That is lovely. 
Her daughter, Jody Ryan, stated that she remembers the last telephone conversation on June 10th, 2006. She put her baby up to the phone and laughed as he looked around to see where the voice of his doting grandmother was coming from. I'm tearing up. That's so sweet. Global News quotes, Clethro is described as an Aboriginal woman with long, dark hair, 5 foot 3 inches tall, weighing 120 pounds, with a small scar on the left side of her mouth. She was usually wearing glasses. Her sister Bev said, and I quote, My sister Shirley Clethro has been missing since June 2006. She is dearly missed by so many people, friends, and family. The stress and unanswered questions has been painful for everyone. Every day we think about her and that laugh and smile. She was so kind to everyone, no matter who you were. Mm. Exploration Place News states that the Fort St. John RCMP have exhausted numerous means of investigation and would like to strongly urge anyone with information in relation to the disappearance of Shirley Clethro to come forward. And that being said, the family is noted on several occasions in different articles that I read, stating their frustration with the lack of movement forward from law enforcement. Mm, that is a very common kind of thing that happens in, in uh, disappearances, uh, especially uh, with Indigenous women. Exactly. Shirley's sister Bev actually said in a CBC article that the investigators on the case have either you know retired or moved on. She left messages and said that she waited a year and a half and then phoned back again to keep checking to see what was going on. Apparently, the file had been sent from Fort St. John to Prince George five hours away. It's like, yeah, five or six Mm -hmm. hours away. In the CBC News article, it said that Shirley's case was supposed to have a private team funded to investigate. But sadly, that never came to fruition. So the Fort St. John detachment sent her file to Prince George, I assume because Prince George would have more resources? I'm assuming, yeah, that's where maybe like the, if they're looking at it as even as a homicide, that would be where maybe the homicide team is based out of, or a bigger one. I know they have one in Fort St. John. The homicide team? Yeah. Yeah. Or um, This concerns me just because I don't know if you've seen the news lately, but it was around this time. There is an investigation going on into uh, RCMP in uh, Prince George, Ooh, who used to C-D-Z. harass indigenous girls. Oh, Jesus. And I say girls, like girls. Gross. So there's actually, the province is launching an out-of-jurisdiction investigation where they're actually getting the Alberta serious incident response team um, after one officer described potentially egregious allegations that Mounties had abused and harassed indigenous girls in Prince George decades ago. Mm -hmm. But if I remember correctly, it was around this time uh, where he apparently this occurred. Yeah. In 2006. Uh, Oh, same time. Uh, well, okay. Same so, year she went missing. Around there. So, okay, let me let me backtrack here. So, these allegations include RCMP officers uh, that they had sexually assaulted vulnerable Indigenous girls between 2000 and 2004. In 2006, uh, the wife of one of the officers that was named in this had her house broken into and the incriminating mm. tapes were stolen. They went missing after her ex-husband broke into her home in 2006. Uh, and this uh, one one officer, uh, I cannot remember what his name is, uh, Kerr. Uh, Gary Kerr has been trying to get attention to this since 2011. So now that is prompting an out of, I don't, I'm not too sure what had happened recently, but now the province and like the federal minister, uh, justice minister has been, not justice, safety minister, Medicino, 
they have now ordered this probe that is actually out of province, but essentially that like there's a huge investigation going on right now into this allegation. So the fact that I'm, I'm kind of raising my eyebrow a little mm. bit that her file was transferred there, but obviously I don't think that the same, I'm not sure if the same investigators, but obviously, I mean, it's no secret that, you know, British Columbia, RCMP, Canada, we've treated indigenous people especially indigenous women, terribly. Yes. Um, and now, you know, unfortunately, one of the issues is that we don't know how often that indigenous women and girls experience violence because they think it's normal. It's oh, so normalized yeah. that we don't actually have. And it's more, I mean, obviously Probably here, more unreported as well. More unreported. And it's uh, happening in, uh, you know, the Northwest Territories, uh, especially with Inuit women, because it's so okay. normalized in their communities that violence towards women, they just think it's a normal, it's a normal fact of life. Well, Amnesty International researched violence against indigenous females in northeastern BC, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, the results would startle most, but probably not us who live in the area. They said that accounts from women and frontline service providers in northeast BC suggest that, if anything, the threats to the safety of indigenous women and girls are even more acute in this region. I think... Um, Connie Grayeyes, who is the uh, one of the caseworkers for missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls for the Indian Residential School Survivor Society, mm-hmm. uh, wrote a report called "Out of Sight, Out of Mind." I believe that is the report. Uh, if I'm wrong, I, I will check with her. I do speak yeah. with her on occasion, but she absolutely said that 100%. It's uh, it, it, yeah. And, and kind of, it's, I mean, throughout Northern BC, of course, we have the Highway of Tears and that kind of, I think yeah. that kind of ends in Prince George, but. Uh, we always get lumped into the Highway of Tears as well, which. I mean. I mean. If it, if I it don't looks know why like a it's duck not. And it quacks like, quacks a duck. like a duck. I don't know why we, why it suddenly cut. I, th- I guess it's because it's the specific highway. It's, I believe it's Highway 16. Yeah. 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 Which runs through Terrace. So I'm. And Dee's Lake, I think, <laughs> actually. Um, but. um yeah, it's it's that is the official highway of tears. But you know, there, of course, violence and other things towards indigenous women and girls. It's not new. It's terrible, and it continues to happen. And kind of like what you were just saying, um, for many indigenous women and girls in the Northeast, domestic violence and violence in the workplace, violence at the hands of strangers. It's so pervasive that it's been normalized. Absolutely. Uh, and don't even get me started on microaggressions no. like towards indigenous people, assuming they don't have um, education uh, or a family. There have been, I have spoken to indigenous people who they, people just assume that they grew up in foster care, which is so fucked up. Uh, don't they, make that assumption. No, don't. And they also noted in that study that the oil and gas industry um, in this area brings many male transient workers with, you know, they're making a lot of money and they don't have a lot of accountability to the area. Uh, that is true. It is, um, especially because of camp work. Uh, yeah. And because you have, it's kind of like what we talked about I can't, in our first episode when uh, Chetwind had that big boom. Yes. Okay. It's yeah. very similar to that. So I don't, I think that was forestry, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. They yeah. would have been like can for. Yeah. So or was it building the dam? It might have, well, who knows? Yeah, uh, who either knows? way, whenever <laughs> you get uh, trade, well, not trade, like I'm not, I don't want to demonize an entire industry, but when you have, uh, it's, you know, it's not a secret that the oil and gas industry, you make a lot of money. Yeah. We'll uh, and you make a lot of money, 
and there's a lot of uh, recreational and endemic drug use. And there's a lot of different factors as to why it gets tied to the oil and gas industry. The yeah. attitude that men experience when they, men and women who experience in that, it actually um, came up when I was doing my piece on intimate partner violence. Okay. Um, but if a man or a woman gets bullied or experiences harassment at work, which oftentimes when you have these working conditions that these men do, there's very much an attitude of, you don't complain. Mm-hmm. If you can't do the job, don't show up. I've yeah. even heard stories of women out in camps uh, boarding up their doors at night, like, like putting like a desk or whatever in front of their door. Yeah. Uh, it, there's some, and, and I think the industry is changing, hopefully. Uh, that's what I you know started to hear. But uh, it, when, you know, someone is experiencing uh, harassment or bullying at work, they take it home and they bring that home. And unfortunately, a lot of the times the partner who it, it experiences, it is usually women. Now, that is not to say that men don't experience intimate partner violence, but uh, oftentimes it is uh, stereotypically men who are working in the oil and gas industry. Again, of course, umbrella statements don't do anything for anyone. So, of course, there are women who are working in the oil and gas industry, and there are women who abuse their partners who are men uh, or who are women. Uh, it was also noted that in you know statistics released by Statistics Canada that LGBT uh, people who are in relationships also okay. experience higher levels of violence. And I would assume that is because of the amount of trauma that exists within that community. Oh, interesting. And I've also read that, um, this is definitely a side note, but the division of labor and equality in relationships is the best with lesbian couples. Really? Anyway, to, to kind of tap it off, uh, these things exist very much within, uh, and it's kind of like what we talked about in our last episode where northern communities, yep. you're seeing that person a lot. Uh, but uh, when you live here, that happens. But when you're, you know, somebody, for example, who works in camp and you're only around, uh, this is not your community. You do not have ties mm-hmm. here. I think that, you know, if somebody had was working in the oil and gas industry and had a predisposition mm-hmm. to uh, to commit those crimes, I feel like that is going to be heightened because you are not in your backyard. And I think with Shirley, um, it noted that she was working at the mill. So I don't know how tied she was to that oil and gas industry. But I mean, when you're living in the area you're you're affected by it um yeah and and you know that study nits, hits the nail on the head uh, i i do agree with that study uh when you have all of folks working in the oil and gas industry again a lot of transient workers a lot of money not a lot of accountability mm-hmm. so so they're 100 i would agree and they know a lot better than i would so <laughs> it doesn't matter if i agree or not it's a fact yeah and i don't know about the theories that people have about her disappearance you know is it that they think a transient worker did come through do they think it was someone at the party typically the police usually know who did it they just either can't prove it um or in this case you know we still haven't found Shirley well and I think that um it's pretty safe to say considering there is a house Grace House which is uh, we haven't even touched on you know the fact that she struggled with addiction Mm -hmm. which of course leads to 
a lot of other dangers, which is, of course, not the fault of the person no. that is going through that. Addiction is an illness, which I think the more we talk about that, the easier that people's lives who are going through those struggles. And I think it is also worth noting that, you know, if you do use substances, that doesn't mean that you're struggling with substance use. It's endemic substance use. People use substances. Uh, you use substances. Mm -hmm. We drink alcohol. Mm -hmm. That's a substance. Mm -hmm. um, a lovely substance for some other people. Like, uh, I try to cut back because we have uh, alcoholism that runs in my family. I too uh, have been cutting back. Wait, good for you. I'm saving up for when I'm 80. Old. <laughs> Absolutely. You're just going to be lit all the time. Uh, but, uh, you know, there are, unfortunately, when you're struggling with addiction and you need to, you know, get, get money, get drugs, you will yeah. put yourself in whatever situation when you're struggling with, you know, endemic yeah. substance use. The uh, wild thing though about this is just the distance between where she went missing, you know, staying at her sister's house, going across the street for a party and then never being seen again. Yeah. It's, it, it's like, how does that happen? I'm yeah, that, that is odd to me. It also is odd to me that the Fort St. John police then just transferred her file to Prince George, which I again assume because they have more resources, but. And she went and was last heard of like on June say 10th. And then the, Police were notified on June 17th, and I don't know if they, you know, did they bring in some dogs to searching that area? I don't know like, what was done to find I'm her not sure at that what time. Was done. I also, again, you hear this, and I'm not, I'm not, um, I don't want to accuse the Fort St. John detachment of this, but you see this a lot in uh, cases along the Highway of Tears. Okay. It's an indigenous woman who struggles with substance abuse. Oh, she's just out partying. Yeah. You'll hear from her in a few days. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and who knows? I can't say that. But that has happened in communities like Smithers, Terrace, uh, you know, again, that Highway 16. Um, but I think that that is, uh, it, it is it's a fact that, uh, you know, RCMP have not had the best uh, historical. You know, you got you got to keep in mind that this case, she went missing, you know, 14 to, you know, over a decade ago. Yeah. So, I mean... There's still a lot of work to do on the part of the RCMP. I'm not saying that they don't have work to do when it comes to indigenous relations, but it was a completely different ballgame than it was. It is now. Uh, and that's not to say that, you know, if they, I can't say that they didn't act properly, but if you have the family that's saying yeah. they could have done more, I would have to believe the family. Oh, of course. And, you know, thankfully, Shirley's name and memory will live on through Fort St. John's new Grace House that you mentioned, Spencer, a home dedicated to helping women struggling with substances. Have you seen pictures? I've, I've, I've seen it. It's right across from uh, my child's daycare. It's, it's really cute. It's gorgeous. Like the yeah. inside. Uh, I've been in the room dedicated to Shirley. Okay. It's got a framed photo of her oh, in it. Oh, good. Uh, and that is a room that if you're struggling with addiction, mm -hmm. that is the place that you go after yeah. you've got done. So Grace House kind of popped up because of, of course, we've, and this is a discussion, but, you know, resources for those who have, you know, okay, great. You've gone to rehab. Now what? Grace House is what where you're supposed to go after okay. that uh, because you're supposed to you've already detoxed now you're trying to get you know you're trying to get you want you're trying to find yourself in the life that you want to live yep uh, and you know I no one can make that choice for you but once you've made that choice this is a place for you to go it's more of like a transition housing it is a third uh, stage housing very much so um, and Shirley Clethro's room it's it's a beautiful room 
And not just Shirley Clethrow, but there are two other rooms in Gray's house dedicated to a Candace Hunter and a Vanessa Hagstrom. Yeah, so they essentially took uh, women who had, I think, previously interacted with the Pentecostal church because they do have programs. Okay. Uh, this, uh, These are women who, I, I think, they struggled with addiction and yeah. unfortunately... Lost their lives or... They lost the fight, yeah. uh, which no shame in that that it happens it's like depression it's an illness it is something that people struggle with and unfortunately yeah. it's you died of an illness you didn't die from your own weakness which i think is it's a, uh i think a thought pattern that is changing slowly uh depression i think is starting to be a little bit more less stigmatized but i think we have a very long way to go with substance use and how we talk about substance use media has a very long way on how we cover substance use because i think that a lot of the times when people think of substance use they think of the downtown east side which these are just people like there are just have you been to the downtown east side oh yeah it's just well the, i've never mm, i've mostly if i walked yeah no no I've, I've even walked around there i think i think that if you're not if you haven't been exposed to that before, it's probably quite alarming. But when you stop and you get past that initial shock, you see that they're just people that are struggling with substance use. And there's actually a lot of camaraderie that goes on there. Mm-hmm. There is There are Narcan kits and yeah. uh, uh, naloxone kits hung on street posts. Oh, okay. So you can quickly... because. When you need it, is there? Yeah, and because of you know the increasing toxicity of the drug supply, like they want to make sure that mm-hmm. they're there for other people that are on that in that place. So, yeah. you know, uh, there have been politicians that have toured through there and have called it hell on earth. I'm not going to drop the name, but I'm sure if you want to Google it, uh, you'll find out who said that. I think that they were wrong. It. I don't. It's. Uh, it it's people that find themselves in the same place in life. And of course, you know, when you have mental health struggles mm-hmm. and, and struggle with endemic substance use, there are, you know, some things that kind of go through that. So like petty crime, survival crime, stuff like that. Yep. These are systemic issues. These are not your weak. And I think that, you know, if you think that way, you got, you got some education to do. Yeah. Uh, and you know if you are struggling we'll have some resources up on our instagram page as well yes local and provincial and i'm kind of interested to see if anyone will reach out to us after this episode and maybe even give us a little bit of more information that we weren't able to glean from you know the internet and the facebooks mm-hmm. um just you know knowing some of the theories that people might have I've, i'm very interested in that and i mean we still haven't found her no uh, and among a whole bunch of other women in our area that we still haven't found. Well, and Clethro's daughter would love to, you know, find out what happened to her mom. Oh, yeah. Um, that was kind of what I gleaned from her because each of them did yep. speeches. There okay. were a lot of speeches when Grace House opened. And um, yeah, Clethro's daughter was, I cannot remember her name, unfortunately, but one of one of her daughters uh, spoke and uh, they would love to, to know what happened. Well, thanks for listening, Spence. Thank you for listening to me go yes, off on tangents. You, and thank you, you the listener. Love tangents. I that's me, ADHD baby. <laughs> okay, well, where can people find you if they want to hear more of your tangents, Spencer? Um, well, not that I post on there, but if you want to find me on Instagram, I'm hall.spence. I promise I'll post something one day. Do it. I got things. Uh, you have it, things to show. I'll probably talk about journalism. I'm a big journalism nerd. My personal Instagram as well. It's fall underscore 97. And that is where I talk about a lot of trans stuff, a lot of Jew stuff, a lot of things that 
would probably put a target on my back now. If folks want to find you on Instagram, Emily, where would they find you? They would go to E to the underscore G on the Instagram Shmatchmom. They will find lots of content regarding um, true, <laughs> true crime. True crime, actually, yeah. Basically, you'll find true crime. You'll find butt stuff, and you will find music festivals, costume parties. You do throw. We need to have <sighs> another costume party. Yeah, we have. What not should the theme one. be? Well, DM us. DM us the theme yeah, of our next party. What should our next costume party be? Rolla themed. Rolla themed. Oh Rolla my themed. god! Actually, uh, it's actually um, it is going to be a celebration of life for the Rolla Pub. Okay. Uh, not only that, Spencer, but online. You said but. But <laughs> the Rolla School is for sale for two hundred and ninety-five thousand Canadian dollars. That's a steal. It is a steal. So in my Emily and Kyle group. There's about 2,000 of us. Are you going to crowdsource? Yeah, I did. Well, I was trying to, so I did the math. And I'm like, man, guys, if we all put in $10 or $100, I can't do the math. We could buy this school. And it has six bedrooms. So I figured that we would need, oh, it was like 100 bunk beds per room. We can figure it out, though. My sister dated a guy who actually lived in a repurposed school. Okay. Yeah. I hope he lived in the basement. I, they're not together anymore. Good. Um, Anyway, uh, weird way to end it, but uh, anyway, uh, until next time, uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll we'll chat with you about some Northeast or just Northern crime, true crime. Okay, bye, Spencer. I love you. Okay, I love you too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.